You know, because the football team is in a holding pattern right now, they are entrenched in their bye week, not a whole lot has emerged about the team. Any new information, media availability has been kept in check, and, and guys are not having to practice every single day this week, and Chip Kelly and the players by virtue, aren't having to talk to the media as much this week. I thought I would take this segment and this episode, if you will, to designate my chatter on the UCLA basketball team because we're coming to a point now where soon enough the basketball season and the football season are beginning to overlap. And before I get into what is on the docket for the show, got to welcome you in. You know this is Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley, your host. I'm also a co-host for UCLA's Coaches Show. And you can listen to me on Fox Sports Radio, where I'm a national anchor. Feel free to, as always, send me an email, lockedonbruins at gmail.com. And wherever you digest your podcasts, it would be greatly appreciated if you hit that subscribe button. we got to build up the fan base and build up the army, if you will, for this podcast and, and, and make it known that this is a safe place for you. No matter how much any of our sports teams are struggling, this is always a safe haven for you to go and to feel appreciated. So here is what I want to talk about on the show today. As I said before, I want to center my attention on the basketball season and what it's going to look like. Mick Cronin and two of his players, Prince Ali, Alex Olashinsky, earlier this week, they flew up to San Francisco and, of course, they took part in the Pac-12 Media Day festivities. Mick Cronin spoke for about 20 minutes and he was asked a wide range of different things. And there are a couple things that I want to highlight that I did not touch on yesterday when I began to unravel what he said at the Pac-12 media press conference for Mick Cronin and the Bruins. So there are a couple different topics. The first theme that I want to discuss in length is how I can already tell that this guy has won over the locker room. And what examples do I have to prove that? So that's going to be a big focal point of our discussion today. The next topic that I wanted to touch upon is what is the this team going to look like from a personnel standpoint? So compared to last year, right? So who are we going to rely on for for scoring or ball handling and all that stuff? So I'm going to start to unravel what pieces fit where. And finally, you know Mick Cronin as a guy who has a penchant, who has a reputation for being hard-nosed on the defensive end. Like, this is his M.O., that he is notorious for bringing it defensively and shutting teams' offenses down. And if you watched Mick Cronin-led Cincinnati Bearcats teams the last couple of years face UCLA, and I was at the game a couple years ago when the Bearcats played at Pauley Pavilion. And his defense absolutely dismantled UCLA's offense. And just last year when the Bruins went up to Cincinnati, it was a bloodbath in favor of the Bearcats as his defense handcuffed the Bruins once again. And so one of the biggest question marks here for Mick Cronin as he takes the reins at UCLA is how is that kind of defense going to show up and fare in the Pac-12 conference? 
and he was asked that at Pac-12 Media Day on Tuesday. And so by the end of this podcast, I'm going to sum up the key components of what he said in response to that question, and then I will also provide some of my own commentary. But first, I want to give my reasoning for why, despite the fact that Mick Cronin has not even coached one game for UCLA, and why he's only been at the helm of the program for five months, why it is blatantly clear, based on all sorts of evidence, that this guy has already won over the locker room, and why the players that he has have already adopted his culture and are continuing to integrate themselves to that culture. So whenever you have a turnover at a high-profile university at a coaching spot, like you know a basketball coach coming in at UCLA, and obviously from a top-tier program with a national reputation, there can be, when a new coach comes in, a lot of the prior players who were recruited from the previous staff feel unwanted, right? Feel like, well, they don't really know how to use my skill set the way the other coaches did. And then there's this exodus to leave where you've got players who feel not wanted or they feel like they can be used in, in better fashion at another institution. Or sometimes they even follow, if they can, the coach that initially recruited them. And then at the same time, you get a lot of times transfers coming in to, to fill at the last second some of those vacancies from the players who all of a sudden are not willing to adapt to a new coaching staff or they just don't feel like they fit in to the new system. So how many times, and I want you to do some deep thinking here, how many times in following college basketball have you ever heard of a coach taking over a program and retaining all of the players on the roster from yesteryear minus the guys who decide to jump to the NBA? So I'm talking about no transfers coming in, no transfers out, and on top of that, the recruits, the two recruits that were wooed in from Steve Alford, well, Mick Cronin also got those guys to uphold their commitment to UCLA. I mean, to think that a coach could pull this off, this is the ultimate win for this program, even though it will not necessarily show up on the stat sheet. But in the end, it actually will, because having all these guys together will end up propagating wins for this team and lead to a bright future. And so again, it's even more impressive that he did this because you would have to imagine that there were coaching staffs from across the country trying to pry players to them and get them out of the program at UCLA, and they would look at maybe the fact that, oh, it's an uncertain future at UCLA. You, you definitely have a better future with us. But even though you have coaches that are trying to change the minds of these players and persuade them to leave the program, all of them stayed, minus, as I said before, the ones that felt compelled to go to the NBA. And this ability for Mick Cronin to keep all these guys, I mean, it's mind-boggling, as I've said many a time in this segment. He basically feels like it came down to relationship building. It was a version of recruiting where 
he had to recruit within his own team. And he felt that by investing quality time and energy with his guys, they would feel the love. And he also said it was super important to be honest with them and to be direct and straightforward and share with them his vision and that how he thinks they would fit into that vision and then allow them to speak as well. So it's this open dialogue and this straightforwardness that was very attractive to all of the players, and so they felt not at all compelled to bounce from the program. In fact, at Pac-12 Media Day on Tuesday, Mick Cronin went on to say that I appreciate our players that they have all embraced our program and my staff, and all 10 of the returning players stayed. Both our recruits also honored their initial commitments to UCLA. Now, Cronin went on to say that he is flattered by how well the players have been ingrained in learning his system and the patience they have exuded learning it. In fact, he said, quote, they're not used to the way we do things or how we do things, let alone the way I deliver my messages. So on a daily basis, we're doing something extremely new and was praiseworthy to the max on how well the guys are picking up all that he's trying to get across. Three of those guys, one of them started to make a lot of noise on the court at the end of last year before getting injured. And then two other guys I want to mention were on the team a season ago but had health issues. How will all three of those play a big factor in what Mick Cronin foresees this season to look like? We'll discuss next. But first, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout and you'll receive a discount of up to $100. Appreciate you keeping it tuned with us on Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. So you remember emerging... Appreciate you keeping it. Appreciate you listening to us here on Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. So you remember towards the end of last basketball season the emergence of David Singleton. Now it's easy to recall from last year that that team was maligned with a turnover issue, and David Singleton did not seem to be contagious of the turnover bug. In fact, he had only in a stretch. Seven turnovers in a span of 400 minutes of game action. And this was with him splitting some point guard duties with Jalen Hands. Singleton, now we might see more of him playing at the one, but I honestly think that he's better off at the two. Speaking of who's going to be at the one, Tiger Campbell, and he's another one of those youngsters we're going to talk about later on in this segment, and he's coming off an ACL injury. But last year, Singleton shot around 47% from three-point range, which was second best in the Pac-12. And he actually had a better three-point field goal percentage than an overall field goal percentage, which went to 45% on the year last year. Now, as I said, he's coming off a foot injury, and so a broken foot. And when Mick Cronin was at Pac-12 Media Day, he was asked about where... Singleton is in the recovery process with his foot and Cronin said quote I think Singleton is at a point where the trainers are trying to get him to be comfortable with the movements of running and jumping and getting his muscles all firing back to make sure that he's ready to go now what I could also infer from what Mick Cronin said is that he in no way is ruling out David Singleton 
for the season opener, which, by the way, is less than a month from now, if you can believe that. I personally am an avid supporter of David Singleton. Now, if you haven't been able to follow this guy, he is a total gym rat. He has an insatiable work ethic. And there was a game last year, and the game is blanking on me for just a moment here, but there was a game last year where he did not play that well for UCLA. And how did he cope with that? Well, after the game, he got up shots in the gym afterwards all by himself, working on his free throws over and over again, doing work above the call of duty. And so this is what you get in him. Like, he's the last one to leave the gym at practice because he wants to get more shots up. This is like the prototypical player. These are the kind of players that coaches dream of being able to coach. It's the coach, whatever you need from me, I'm here for you. It's all about the team. It's not about me. And when Coach Alford last year assigned Singleton to play some one, he said, you know what, whatever you need me to do. Now, I do believe that Singleton is going to be better fared at the two spot. I think that you've got to be able to, to get him more looks and work him off the dribble a little bit more than having him run the point because I do believe that the natural point guard on this team is Tiger Campbell. And he was so hyped coming in to last season, and then he suffered that ACL tear before the season started, so we missed out on getting to watch him. And I got to tell you that he was severely missed last year. You know, a constant downfall, if you will, from last year's team was the lack of ball movement. And, like, if you followed the team at all last year, there were games where it was just stale. You know, the ball was not moving around at all. There was too much one-on-five work, and they just did not have anyone healthy on the roster who was going to be that facilitator. And that's what Tiger Campbell does. And so Prince Ali, who was at Pac-12 Media Day on Tuesday, was asked about Tiger Campbell, and he said, quote, he's one of the fastest dudes I've ever played with. For somebody coming off an ACL tear, I can't believe that he's that fast. He makes the right decision most of the time, at least 90% of the time, and he doesn't play like he's never played a college game. Do yourself a favor and go to YouTube and type in Tiger Campbell High School Highlights. His court vision is superhuman. You know who has also impressed Mick Cronin? How about Sharif O'Neal? And he's an inspiration to all of us. If you don't know his backstory, well, he was all set to play last year. And then he encountered this heart issue, had this massive surgery, and there was significant doubt whether or not he'd ever be able to play basketball again. And so not only did he conquer this issue, but now he is in playing shape and form for the Bruins and Mick Cronin was fawning over Sharif at media day. He said, quote, he's a great kid. He's extremely humble and it's hard to get upset with him because he listens at all times and he hustles at all times and he's learning every day. He's like a sponge. He always wants to learn 
and he was taught to believe in discipline from his mother and father. Of course, his father is Shaquille O'Neal, and they believe in teaching their kids to listen. If I could go on a tangent for just a second, imagine if you were on the UCLA basketball team and you're in the midst of practice and all of a sudden Shaquille O'Neal walks through the door, he pulls up a chair and wants to watch what's going on. How would you handle yourself? Because it would be certainly nerve-wracking to me, so nerve-wracking that I'd probably just airball every shot and I certainly would want to get his advice and ask him like things I can improve on. The only thing I wouldn't is how to make a free throw. All right, coming up, I will look at Mick Cronin's defense, some misconceptions about this defense, and how it stacks up against the rest of the Pac-12. Appreciate you riding along with us on Locked On Bruins. Brian Fenley with you. Mick Cronin has garnered this reputation to which he hates in that he is only good for coaching on the defensive side. He dispels this, and he did so Tuesday at Pac-12 Media Day, where he said, look, I'm a good offensive coach as well. And he pointed out that two years ago, he led the nation in scoring margin and said while people seem to assume that he's only good at defense, that that rumor is false. And he did say to win the conference, to win the Pac-12, you've got to be a multifaceted team, one that is good in defense and offense. And while he did say if you don't defend, you can't win, and you got to be able to score, it comes down to this. 47% of the scoring returns, that is it for UCLA. And when you look at the roster, there are a plentiful number of guys who can give you double figures and points any given night. The thing is, are we going to get that one clear-cut scoring leader? Is it going to be a Prince Ali? It, it could honestly be anybody any given night. And what this reminds me of is when I lived in Memphis and I used to cover the Memphis Grizzlies and they had that era where it was the grit and grind era where it was not so much about individual performances with these guys. It was a blue-collar mindset, this yeoman, let's put our hard hat on and go to work and out-muscle dudes and just collectively dominate our opponents. I feel like this is what the mindset of this Bruins team is going to be. Sort of like a college basketball version of a grit and grind. All right, coming up tomorrow, more on basketball, and then we will check back in with the football team as we get closer to kickoff at Stanford next Thursday. You're listening to Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley.